Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and so excited to have you with us again this afternoon for another edition of Marnie's Friends. We are in for a wonderful show this afternoon with our guest, Cheryl Giesberg, and she is going to be talking to us about her new book, Get Up, Get Back Up, Trusting God When Life Knocks You Down. But more importantly, she's going to be sharing some really specific strategies for you if you are feeling down today, if you are going through something that maybe you didn't see coming, something that maybe you saw coming, but um, you, and maybe maybe it's something that you're seeing coming <laughs> that you're going to get knocked down, and you need to know what to do, or else when you've landed and are in pain, how to get back up from there. Our guest today, Cheryl, has been exchanging um, hurt for hope and helping others learn how to do that for years. Um, her message shares with, um, through her radio show. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's written hundreds of articles and columns and facilitated leadership training for thousands across the United States. And she's here today to share with us how to get back up when we fall down or when we get knocked down. And before I bring her on the air, I just want to share with you a quote from her book, which, by the way, is great. It's called Get Back Up. And um, I loved reading through this, and it really surprised me because here we're going to talk to this gal who's a pastor's wife, and she's an author and a speaker and everything. And not all that long ago, she had this to say when she heard someone else pray in a very uh, in a very personal way with God. She wrote, of course, prayer was part of my life but not enough to give me hope about specific situations. If you are facing something that's extremely difficult for you to bear right now and you think you don't know if you'll ever get back up again, today is the day that you are supposed to be here, and this is the guest that you are supposed to hear. So welcome to you, Cheryl. Hi, Marnie. Thank you so much, and um, I'm excited to be here, and welcome to you, too. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm excited to go through this information because I loved reading your book. Um, I felt like I I do these Bible study expos every year, and I felt like your book was just kind of this amazing mix of uh, group book study as well as a personal devotional as well as a story that I was reading. (laughs) It was kind of this, this wonderful kind of mix of all genres put together and it was just very very fun to read and you have been through a lot and you really share a lot in your book about what you've been through personally but also about what other people have been through you have this falling theme we're going to talk about a little bit and uh, I I loved that all the way through and I couldn't hardly wait to read the next one because they were so so intriguing but I think that what I want to do during this hour is we want to go through the three different types of falls, um, mm. a fall that you see coming and what mm-hmm. you can do about it, a fall that you don't see coming, uh, and, and all of a sudden you're, you've fallen. And then after the fall, you know, what to do then, whichever way it came at you, what to do then. So let's just start about when you don't see the fall coming. And I have this, I have this, uh, this, phrase in in your in my head it's it's from um first timothy in the amplified bible and it says faith is the leaning of the entire personality on god mm-hmm. and i just love i love that um when yeah. you don't see some you you had one in your book you had one that was um you guys were pastoring a church uh, your husband was pastoring a church and all of a sudden without any forewarning he's asked to leave mm-hmm. you did not see that coming right no, there was no, actually no warning at all. In fact, it was on a Sunday afternoon, we received a phone call that changed our lives forever. We were actually going over to the senior pastor's home that night for brownies, and the phone call was that he, my husband, was asked to turn in his resignation, and uh, we were told that he did nothing wrong, and yet he was, they were going to terminate him. So that came out of left field as far as we were concerned. But we made a choice through some wise counsel 
as a couple, we determined that we would glorify the Lord no matter what. And we bound ourselves together as a couple by prayer and also under the wisdom of some friends who counseled us to take the high road, if you will, but also to glorify the Lord no matter what. So we developed a phrase as we left that church. It took about three months before we actually physically left, but um, our phrase was that we would say the Lord was moving us on, that God was moving us on instead of trying to explain the situation, which we couldn't even explain ourselves. <laughs> but um, we we basically decided that we wanted to glorify God no matter what, that it was his plan that we were moved on and that it was already a done deal before they told Paul to turn in his resignation. It's so amazing. I I, I thought in the book, you know, when you, when you described it, it was almost like... Um, you know, turn in your resignation, and by the way, don't come over for brownies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was you know, just very such weird. A shocking. <laughs> yeah, shocking, shocking. Uh, I love how you came up with the phrase. I remember interviewing Pam Farrell, and she had gone, they had gone through a series of just horrendous setbacks, just so mind bending. And she had just come up with the phrase um, when people would ask her, "How are you doing?" She would just say, "Choosing joy." Because, like you said with yours, the Lord is moving us on. When we can rephrase something that just comes out of the blue and it just clobbers us, when we can rephrase it in a positive way, it does change how we're, we aren't continuing to give it power by continuing to go over it and over it and over it, um, all the negatives of it, all of the pain of it. What do you think of that? If somebody's really just got clobbered, like today... <laughs> and yeah. they're like just grasping, you know, they're like they feel like they're drowning right now and they're just like any breath of air, just anything give me something. What what would you say to that person? Well, I believe that each situation that we are going through as believers, you know, if we truly are Christ followers, one thing we know is for sure that as long as we go through our lives life journey that we will go through trials and we have to choose what God wants us to do is to keep going and to glorify him. We have to choose him in spite of how we feel about our situation, how it made us felt. Like for us, it was we felt like we weren't worthy for ministry in that church or anywhere, actually, for quite a long time. But that was actually a lie that we had to d- decide that we would came, come against through the power of the word of God. We also have to know Jesus um, personally not only as our Savior, but as Lord of our lives and know his word. And I'm reminded of a scripture in Lamentations 3:21 through 26. And remember, the prophet here was lamenting. That meant he was crying out to God. He said, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, and, you know, this is self-talk going on at, his be- at its best. Um, he's, and I like to speak this out. You know, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. That self-talk is so important, and the self-talk becomes just a prayer, just a breathing prayer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, God, Elizabeth Elliot, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on mm-hmm. me. You know, our Amen. faith is in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I want to keep us keep us going, but when um, when we don't see something coming, sometimes it comes anyway. And there's mm-hmm. really a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about how I could have prevented this, how I maybe could have seen it coming. I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, some things actually do come with absolutely no warning. It wasn't your fault. Uh, there is nothing. There's a there's actually a a pretty prevalent thinking out there today that that you are responsible for everything. And I just want to say that the Bible doesn't teach that. The Mm -hmm. Bible never teaches that we are responsible for everything. What we're responsible for is our reactions to everything that we're responsible for, to to run everything that comes into our lives straight to Jesus and to look to him to help us get through them. So if you're experiencing a lot of pain right now, we love you. Um, In fact, I think, uh, Cheryl, I usually don't do this, but I'm just compelled right now. If you would just lead us in a prayer um, and just really pray for those who are listening right at this moment, whether you're listening live or you're listening to the audio afterwards, I just I just feel like God has something he wants to um, give to you. Um, so, Cheryl, maybe you can lead us in prayer. Yes. 
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, we come to you and we say thank you for hearing our prayers, hearing our cries. Lord, there are listeners who are hearing what this prayer is saying, and they don't really have words to pray. They they know that they should be praying, but they, they feel that maybe you haven't heard their prayers in the past. So God, we ask on behalf of them that we would bear their burdens and bring them to you as stretcher bearers, that we would lift their needs up to you. And Lord, we do, again, lift the prophet, say that you are our portion. Therefore, Lord, we will wait for you. Lord, you are good. Your hope is for this time, for this person. We thank you, Lord, that this person wants you in their situation and they want to invite your presence into the situation that has devastated them, that has invaded their life or their family's lives. And we pray that they would learn to seek you and invite you in and that you would give them peace, that you would give them comfort, and that you would give them hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just agree with you that God is bigger than whatever you're facing right now in this moment, and um, we love you, and God loves you way more. <laughs> and he's way more powerful to help you. <laughs> so yeah. love that. I want to move on to the next kind of getting knocked down, which is the kind that you can actually see coming, and those can be really terrifying. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read from your book, Cheryl, on page 13. And this kind of, you guys, this is kind of a sample of what you get when you're reading this book. Quoting, Alan Magee, a gunner on a B-17 with a 303rd bomb group of the U.S. 8th Air Force, was on a mission to Saint-Nazaire, France, in January of 1943, when enemy fire set his bomber aflame. He was thrown from the plane before he had a chance to put on his parachute. He fell 20,000 feet and crashed onto the roof of the St. Nazaire train station. His arm was badly injured, but he eventually recovered from that and other injuries. Alan Meiji knew how to fall properly and how to land. And that's the beginning of Chapter 2, Grab On to Truth. Cheryl, I loved that, and you took it a little further, and you said there were three things that he knew how to do. He knew how to Mm -hmm. bend his knees. He knew how to relax. And he knew how Mm -hmm. to land feet first. And when I... When I hear this story and other stories that you have in your book about people who survived amazing things, the one thing that struck me about all of these people who landed was that somehow, even though they were falling from, like, him, 20,000 feet in the air, who would think you could ever live through that? You know, I mean, that would have been my first thought, Cheryl, is why bother? I mean, I might as well go ahead first and just get it over with fast, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Yet they decided to put their feet down first and to, to put into practice the things, the little they knew, the little they could do with the information they had was to put their feet down first, to bend their knees, to relax. And and it was just, it's just such a consistent thing through the book there is that it, it isn't about what I can do, but I have my little part, you know. I have this part mm-hmm. about trusting that it might have a good outcome, you know. Put my feet yeah. first. I I just love every example that you gave in the book was just reinforcing that to me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we have to say to ourselves, really, how big is our God? And I know a God that has seen me through many things. And as far as the illustrations of the survivors, it, I was very intrigued when I started investigating, doing research for this book, and. I learned a lot, obviously, but I also figured that there are many more out there that I haven't heard about. But I know that that we we get inspired by survivor survivor stories, and when we look at the methods that they used to get up or to survive a landing, even like Alan Maggi had and some of the others. You know, it's important to know that most people that fall from 30 feet or higher do not survive. So what they did was they uh, chose these things and they probably had learned them like a reflex. And that is that is what I want to be as far as a spiritual functioning Christian believer who walks closely with God. I want to choose God before so that when I do fall, it's not if, it's when, because we know we will again. Uh, maybe not some of the devastating things that have happened prior to this 
interview, but hopefully not. But but life, it just brings it. So I need to choose God and believe that his plan is best, and that is non-negotiable for me. Even in the in the difficulties saying, you know, God, I thought that you're, you would prevent some of these things that, that were difficult or trials or the suffering that I've been through, but but when I have gone through the suffering that I have, I've seen another side of God that I wouldn't have experienced any other way. And I love this psalm, Psalm 94, 18 and 19, that says, When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. And that's choosing him, regardless of how we feel. Because I don't know about you, but I cannot trust my emotions. They are all over the place. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. And um, in Chapter 3, you went on and you were talking about grudges. And I was I was finding a correlation between these three things that you want to do. If you're actually falling, uh, physically falling, you want to bend your knees, relax, and land feet first. But if you're falling emotionally or you're seeing this emotional fall, um, the three things that you had talked about in Chapter 3 came back to me, which was confess it and name it. Actually actually say out loud what you're seeing. I am seeing um, that this person has just creamed me or I am seeing that, you know, mm-hmm. that I cannot do anything to protect myself in this situation or whatever it is that you're seeing. Just say it straight out like it is. Be honest with it. And yeah. then number two, to relax, to let go of it. To actually, um, actually throw it up. Uh, the the verse that comes to mind is casting your cares. To actually cast it away from you to Jesus. Now I have yeah. said what is true. Now cast it away. And then the third part is the landing feet first. And that's now to believe that God's best is going to be applied to my case in this situation. And that doesn't mean that it's going to turn out the way that I would like it to necessarily. But it is going to mean that that I'm in a position now to receive everything God has to give to me. Let's talk about the first part of that, the confessing it and naming it. Why is it so important to look something straight on like that? Well, unless forgiveness visits the core of our emotions, it's incomplete. And that's why many times when we've said, I'm sorry, in a situation that maybe we are grieved over a way that one of our children was treated, or like in our case, the way my husband was treated. I'm like a mother bear if anybody comes at my family. Um, So what I had to do was say, I felt this person treated me like, or treated my husband like he was not worthy of being in ministry. It made us feel like we weren't capable of doing what needed to be done or that we were not um, good enough. And those both were not true about our situation. But the enemy, are the, the one who lies to us, wants us to believe that there are things that, that can't be undone. And when we confess it and name um, these things, then emotions are so important in, in recognizing where the forgiveness comes from. It's, it's a deep thing. And we have to allow God to take take us to that deep place where he can heal it. In your book, you talk about a situation where you had to apply serious um, forgiveness to your husband. And um, one of the things that I found in our marriage, too, is that the sooner I'm willing to face a hurt, to face mm-hmm. um, a violation of any kind, straight on to not sugarcoat it but to really say it like it is to god i see that this is how it is and then that makes that second step of letting it go which is in the analogy of falling of relaxing that makes that second step so much easier to come if i have because actually our subconscious mind is 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 busy keeping track of everything that's Mm. ever happened and yes. sometimes I can have the feeling like I'm being wronged, not necessarily just with my husband, but just in life, I'm being wronged, something's wrong here, and I push that feeling away, push it away, push it away, push it away. I don't want to think about that. But then when I actually take time to look at it and to say, oh, you know what, that really is an injustice. The way that's going down mm-hmm. is an injustice. Okay, then I am able now to give it to God because I've taken the time to actually identify it and see it for what it is. I give it to God. That allows me to... Um, it actually allows me to be a clear vessel for him to flow his forgiveness through me. And and I love that, that it's not me generating the forgiveness, that it's God. Yeah. And I think really the only way that we can truly release it to Jesus is by the power 
that Jesus paid for us on the cross. His, his blood covered a multitude of our sins, and, and we really can't fully love people until we release them to him. And it's an idea that he came up with first. That's why spiritually and scripturally we really can't do it unless we are walking in truth and asking God to apply his word over these these wounds that, that people have inflicted on us or even we've inflicted on ourselves. I think, too, of 1 Corinthians 13.5 that talks about, the, it's the love chapter, but that little verse 5 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. And to fully let go and release a situation or a person that's wronged us into the hands of Jesus is to let go of it, but also trust him with it and not take it back. And that's really hard for us because it goes against our concept of justice. It goes against our concept of, like you said, showing mercy to a person. Hmm. When we come back, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what about when somebody isn't repentant, what to do then. And also we're going to move into the zone of what happens when you've landed now, you've fallen and you're landed and you're in pain. We're going to talk about all that in just a minute. We'll be right back. The fastest and easiest way to find out which major women's events are coming to your area is to visit www.womensevents.info. That's womensevents.info. It's the only directory of its kind, and it features all of the major events like Women of Faith, Beth Moore, E-Conference Women, and so many others. It's free to search, and you can find it all at womensevents.info. registered to receive the Marnie Minute? Have you sometimes missed out on training or connection opportunities because you didn't know about them in advance? Visit Marnie.com and select free updates to receive email notifications so you will never miss a beat. That's free updates over at Marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting this afternoon with Cheryl Giesbrecht of FromAshesToBeauty.com. She's the author of a new book called Get Back Up, Trusting God When Life Knocks You Down. And we were just before the break talking about the three things you have to do. If you know you're going to fall, there's three things you have to do with your body. It's bend your knees, relax, and then land with your feet first. And in the spirit realm, in the area of emotions, um, it is the first thing is confess it and name it. Be honest with yourself about what it looks like. Then number two, let go of it, give it to God. And number three, the feet, uh, feet first is really to believe and to believe God about it. And Cheryl, I wanted to start this section talking about what happens when the person who's hurting you is fully aware of the fact that they're hurting you and they are completely non-resistant in that situation. Is it fair that God asks us to forgive that person? I believe it is fair. It's scriptural, and it's also what God commands us to do. Forgiveness is what's good for us, but it doesn't mean that we should, like some people say, throw ourselves under the bus and be around that person that is hurting us. Um, We have to develop healthy boundaries, and even for some of you who might be in a difficult marriage or in a difficult working situation at a job, what it means is understanding your identity in Christ and allowing God to show you how to take, again, the high road, but also how to walk in the spirit and not take revenge or spout off and defend yourself to just put on the full armor of God and let God defend you through the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember several years ago, someone had really offended me and just was taking no responsibility for it at all, and it had hurt so badly. And I really battled this through with God. I was like, I am I am not supposed to forgive her because um, she's totally unrepentant. You don't forgive me if I'm unrepentant. And mm-hmm. then I just saw the reality of how God's position toward me. It is not a position of I refuse to forgive you until you do so much penance or until you're just so, so sorry or whatever. He stands in a position of forgiveness, but then he waits until I ask for forgiveness to extend it to me. So he's already made the decision 
long before. Mm. I mean, he made the decision before I was even born that he was going to forgive me. Did he apply the forgiveness at that point? No. Why couldn't he? Because I was resistant to it. But as soon as I come to him repentant, there's no thought process there. He doesn't have to think about it a couple days. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's just really ready to forgive. And I realized that that's, that's really my part is to be in the position of forgiveness. And at that point, I'm really freed. Uh, that, that really frees me up. Uh, when you were, when you left the church, you tell in your book one story about you seeing the pastor. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, maybe just talk about that for just a minute. Well, it was interesting, Moni, because we had not um, decided that we would tell them how we came out of the situation, that we would literally trust the Lord with it. But we stayed in the same town that Paul was pastoring in. And I think that God allowed us to to stay here because of a lot of different reasons. One of those was to allow our forgiveness to be fully complete. And part of our story was that God allowed me to run into one of the people that was on the board at one of the restaurants. I had met with a client earlier in the um, noon hour, and I was uh, leaving, and I, I saw this man as he was walking in to have lunch, and and I had a choice at that time, could I, you know, would I say anything? Actually, I, I of course, but just my personality, I, I greet people. I don't try and dodge people, although at first I could have been tempted to run out the back door. But thank God I did not, and he allowed me to have a conversation with this man. And we ended up talking quite a bit, which ended up, we did meet with both the senior pastor and this man who was the senior board president and uh, it ended up that we we were able to share with them some of done and not done during the situation as we left the church and Paul received a severance package as well as just the general treatment of our situation. Now it wasn't that we ended up um, with the he said she said thing but we shared with them some of the pain that we had felt during the circumstances and they were willing and able to receive what we said. And that was the key. We didn't initiate this, you know, telling them off or saying, here's how you hurt us. Aren't you sorry about that? That wasn't it. It was God gave us the opportunity to share what we had learned. And they asked us about how we were treated. It was kind of a, re- re- it was a sharing of, of information. And it ended up being an emotional healing time for all of us when God allowed all four of us, and I was the only woman with three men, and we all ended up crying and praying together. And that was such a God thing. It was something that we hadn't planned, but that God did. And I do have given the glory for that because it's very rare, isn't it? It is. And how long afterwards was that? It was about 18 months, I think, or even maybe about two years. And I the bottom line is, I didn't initiate, God did it. <laughs> right. And the thing that's really standing out to me is, just this, um, I always call it the incubation period, where God just, he takes our faith, and then he just plant. you know, we plant the seed of faith, and then we don't really get to pick <laughs> when that seed gets full grown. It may not be like for some of the people in Hebrews 11, it may not be that you see the outcome until heaven, you know, that that's, they really had promises, but they didn't get to see it until they got to heaven, whereas some of the people got to see it right away. And you guys waited 18 months. Um, you think about, you know, um, David, who had to wait many years after he was anointed, and, and um, Joseph, you know, many years in prison, just and being faithful and just watering that seed of faith and just going forward. We're going to take one more break here and come back, and we're going to talk about um, Cheryl's cancer, and we're also going to talk about what you can do once you've landed and you're in pain. We'll be right back. Do you ever need speakers for dinners, retreats, conferences, or other women's events? Check out www.womenspeakers.com. It's the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,500 Christian women speakers, some near you, and some from every level of experience and fee range you can imagine. So you're sure to find lots of great speaker options for you and your next event over at www.womenspeakers.com. That's Women Speakers. 
Well, you guys, we are enjoying a lovely conversation this afternoon with Cheryl Giesbrick. She is the author of a new book called Get Back Up, Trusting God When Life Knocks You Down. And her website is fromashestobeauty.com. You want to check that out over there. Cheryl, the next place I want to go is I want to go where we have either seen it coming or not seen it coming, but whatever it is, we are down. <laughs> We're knocked mm-hmm. flat, and we are down for the count, and I know some of you listening today go, that's me, that's me. I just can hardly breathe. It was interesting this afternoon, just, just I bet, 45 minutes ago, I just got a call from a gal, and we just cried together on the phone, and, and, mm-hmm. and God is carrying her, but wow, wow. Some of these knockdowns are just really brutal. And, you know, we've all watched sporting events and we've all watched races and we've all seen people who really practiced and really invested and who really got hurt in the game. And uh, I, I always think of it more, more than a game. I think of it as a war. And there are casualties in war. And sometimes, sometimes I'm going to be the casualty that day for the bigger good, which I cannot see. And sometimes it's my own fault, but a lot of times it's just the fault of sin. It's just a sinful world that we live in, and and we're here, and we feel very, very vulnerable. So, Cheryl, you have a section in your book, and I just want to spend some time in in this one section called The In Christ I Am. And you, uh, maybe I'm just going to let you share from from your own perspective, maybe take us through briefly, your cancer diagnosis and how you came to embrace this particular response to getting knocked down and being finding yourself flat out. I had just begun to really uh, teach a lot to women's groups across the United States about identity in Christ. You know, the more that we understand whose we are and what Christ has done in Christ, it's everything. It, it really rearranges what you think about your past, what you think about your present and your future. And then I found a lump underneath my left eye and some months and weeks later after lots of CAT scans, PET scans, blood tests, and um, the final test that determined that it was cancer was a biopsy of the lump. And it was determined that I had stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of blood cancer similar to leukemia. And it was in the bone marrow in four places in my body. So as I was giving this terminal diagnosis, uh, I chose to keep on getting up in the morning, spending time in the Word. And, of course, at first I wondered, what, God, are you doing with this? And then my question to him was, how, God, can I include you in this journey? How, God, can I draw close to you? in spite of the way I feel about what's going on and also the way I felt about going through chemotherapy. I felt out of control as a patient. I felt the side effects that women in chemotherapy feel and and experience. But the bottom line is I'd chosen Christ in the middle of it, and I also invited him into it. I wanted to learn the lessons of lymphoma. I believed, I began to believe as I processed everything at first, it was a bit overwhelming. Some of you guys, who, you ladies, listeners who are patients or you tended to a patient, you know what it's about. You don't want your identity to be as a patient, but I decided that there were lessons that I couldn't learn any other way, that I was choosing to learn through the lessons of lymphoma. You know, you have a section called In Christ I Am, and the first part is that I am loved. I'm forgiven, loved eternally, surrounded by love. I can love even myself, even though I'm just, you know, who I am, and I'm just all my weaknesses and flaws. I'm able to love others. And then your next section in the Who I Am in Christ is I'm safe. And Cheryl, when you were getting that diagnosis, when you have gone through other things, and you guys, the book has got other stuff in it, too, we're covering everything here, but when you have been faced with some situation where you don't feel one bit safe, where you only feel mm-hmm. vulnerable, how have you been able to latch on to the truth that you actually are safe? I have actually asked God to show me his, more of his power, Um, specifically during the cancer, I dealt with a lot of fear of, you know, I'm sure that many of you have experienced the same thing where you 
you're afraid of the future, even though you don't know what it might mean. And so to say, I don't know what my future holds, but, you know, the phrase, I know the God who holds Mm -hmm. the future. And so it was just basically looking at my life from God's perspective and whether or not I lived or died with the cancer diagnosis as I had stage four cancer. I chose, you know, whatever it is that God wants for me, I'm willing to do it. I really am because to live is is Christ, but to die is gain. You know, that's what it says. So I, I just decided that I would choose him, but I'd also needed him to help me come against the fear that I had for the different things that were ahead of me and to choose to run to the Lord. That's um, one of the scriptures on the bookmark which says, I am defended by God of Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And many times I've tried to run away from God, but I chose to run to him every time I feel any fear or any doubt or any disbelief. I'm going to go to him and, and check it out from his word. I'm going to say, you know, this is, I tell him what I feel like all the time, and I'm sure he gets real tired of me, but uh, <laughs> that really helps me a lot. <laughs> I really think, though, that um, just the A, the bend the, bend the knees, I, th- I think that is just so so critical to just name it and face it like it is. And uh, David just modeled that so beautifully for us in Scripture where he would just Oh, he would just say it like it was, you know, and mm-hmm. like he felt. It's not like we're hiding anything from God. He knows how we feel already. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think he just loves that humble heart that just comes and says, I, I have enough faith to believe that you already know what I'm thinking. So therefore, here's what I'm thinking now. <laughs> now That's here, I'm gonna, next That's thing it. I'm going to do is I'm going to throw this trash at you. <laughs> now, now I always say he's the... I would say he's the only person in my life who can really handle my garbage, but he wants it. Not only does he, not only can he handle it, he actually wants me to, you know, really I'm throw up my garbage all over him. That's what he really wants because he is going to take, I would say he takes my manure and he makes up beautiful flower gardens out of it. That's what he does best in that, in that situation where we can just release it to him. He is so honored there, even though to us we would never want to do that to another person. It feels kind of weird, doesn't it? But I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've had other situations where you did not feel safe. Maybe just share another situation where you felt very vulnerable, but that you chose to believe that you were safe. I think it happens quite a bit with just the way we're treated by people. Marty, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. You said one situation with your friend who had mistreated you. But I feel that a lot of times we are misunderstood, maybe our motives. Um, One situation when um, I've I've been in different radio businesses for a long time, and I I thank God for Christian radio. That's been my forte for over 15 years. But I think in that business specifically, our motives are misinterpreted. And as far as what I'd like to do is continue to glorify God no matter what platform God gives me. But I found myself some years ago being criticized by some people that were close to me. And they were saying things like, well, she's got a big ego and she really just wants to get her name out there. And I really, it really hurt my feelings quite a bit. And I decided that I would, no matter what happened, that I would forgive them for the way they felt and I wouldn't try and correct them. But no matter what platform or area God gives me, whether it be in radio, speaking, writing, what have you, that I would glorify the Lord no matter what. So I want his name to be lifted up higher than mine. And that's what it's all about. So I chose to turn the other cheek. And with that, God has allowed me many more opportunities. And I hope to continue to lift up the name of Jesus higher than any name, mine included. Right, right, right. I think about the the point you have in the um, in Christ I am declared not guilty and no matter what somebody else says about us, if we can, if we can, I, I was at night, I'm just always saying to God, how is it with me? And what I'm looking for at night is I'm looking for well done, my good and faithful servant every night. I'm just practicing for eternity. <laughs> and when I'm mm-hmm. going to sleep, that's really what I want to hear. But some nights that's not what I hear. Some nights I hear there's a couple things we've got to talk about that happen today. <laughs> but um, but w- w- when we have, when we have this, I, I can remember a specific situation where I was in a meeting 
and there were some ladies, and they were totally misunderstanding my heart. There was a total misunderstanding of my heart. And God even provided in the moment of I was just getting I was just getting slaughtered in this meeting. And there was a little old lady who was sitting beside me in this meeting, and she just precious her. She just reached over into the table and held my hand. And she didn't ever make any kind of notification above the table that she was for me or against me. But under the table, there was this hand holding mine, and it was just like Jesus' hand. And I remember walking out of that room and standing and leaning my back against the wall and just sobbing and saying, God, what was that about? How could they possibly misunderstand my heart to that level? And in that moment, he just spoke straight to my heart, and I heard in my spirit, do you not think that people under, misunderstand me that much every single day? And I was like, well, yeah, okay, so you've been here, you understand, now I'm just bearing, I'm just bearing the, the burden of being, you know, like Jesus really, and not perfectly, but just in, in life, just how people misunderstand us. And in that moment, it was just really not that hard for me to release it, because I just realized, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus does this every single day. I can trust him for the grace to release this to him. And your story earlier about how you had released and forgiven the church that had, you know, so abruptly ousted you guys without, you know, really any reason given. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet God came back around and blessed that. And that's what I saw and that's what I see all the time. When we can be faithful and we can release, then he comes back around and really blesses. Some of the other things that you have under In Christ I Am is secure in Christ's love. When was the time that, that you had to have that one? Well, it's um, actually this today is the four-year anniversary of Pastor Paul's death. My husband, you know, was killed in a motorcycle accident. Okay, and wait a second. Nobody knew that. So, <laughs> okay. Go back. Go back. Your husband was killed in a motorcycle accident four years ago. Yeah, and um, yes, it was. Um, uh, I had done a women's retreat nearby my house, and he came up to visit me after I completed the retreat. So we had walked around for a couple of hours, and then he got on his motorcycle, and I was in our car, and we um, proceeded to leave, and we had plans to go down and have dinner together that evening. Well, I saw him round a curve, and within five minutes after he got out of my sight, I came around the same curve, and I should have seen him about 500 feet or yards actually in front of me. And I saw something glistening out of the corner of my eye, and I looked and I said, that looks like a motorcycle, and then I did a double take, and it was Paul's bike. It had gone flat on its side. It was laid out on its side, and so I flipped my car around, and I couldn't find him. I pulled near the bike and looked for Paul and saw him on the other side of the fence, and he was still breathing around to his side, and took off his helmet, and he couldn't hear me, but I was asking him if everything was okay. Soon after that, I tried to find help and couldn't find any. I stood by him and waited, waved down, passing cars. Emergency vehicles came, and within a few hours, they took him to an emergency unit, and I was told that I would be told where he would be, but when they took him, the emergency um, medics told me that his injuries were very extensive, that uh, he had many, many, many injuries. And what I didn't know when they took him was that was the last time that I would see him alive. He had a heart attack in the helicopter, and I didn't know when I got to the hospital, when they took me to a little waiting room, that the doctors would tell me that he didn't make it that they tried to use the paddles on him and that he died in the helicopter. So that day was the day that my life totally changed. And as I'm working through my emotions today, I've been actually working on these things all this week, reminding myself of the love of God, reminding myself of the many memories. But I also am reminding myself that God has a plan and a purpose that I don't understand. Um, even four years ago, it seems like it was just yesterday. I remember that, that night in the hospital while I was waiting for the family to come as I made the phone calls sitting in the ER with his um, 
with his his body that I um, had just taught Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and twelve, and I reminded I was reminded of God's word that God's word says that He has a purpose and a plan not to harm me, not to um, not to uh, kick me away from His plan. And I have to remind myself of that a lot for myself and my kids because it's it's difficult when it's not what you want. I remind myself too that everything that happens in our lives is the love of God. And one of my favorite scriptures during the passing of Pastor Paul Giesbrecht has been Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. And this is a way that I am secure in God's love, but also the passing of Paul and his life, no matter how unfair or untimely or uncertain. I feel that this whole thing has been for me and my kids. It's the righteous perish and no one ponders it. Devout men men are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil, that those who walk uprightly enter into peace and that they find rest as they lie in death. And that's Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. That I have to look at God's hand of love in that scripture and say, that my husband as a righteous man is at rest in his death. Mm, that is so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that with us. The um, the emotion of what you're sharing is pretty intense and God is aware. And I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this afternoon with us, Cheryl. Thank you. I think one of the very hardest things for us to do in life is to accept that God is protecting us, even when things that are horrible happen to us. It is kind of mind-numbing to actually hold on to that truth in the face of every evidence against it. And and in your, you just shared a couple verses with us, but in your journey to hold on to that truth, do you have a catchphrase or something that you just, a short phrase that you repeat a lot <laughs> when you are barraged with thoughts of you would be a fool to trust that God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope make you full of joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because I don't hope. have... I really don't have the hope that I need. <laughs> right. I don't have really, my my well is pretty shallow here. <laughs> yeah, right. And right. so if I speak his word over my life and over his plans for me, I have to trust that each of us, my husband, my precious husband's life, his days were numbered. And God knew that from the day he was born that the end of his days would be October 17, 2009. And I have to trust that God's hand of love is also a hand of mystery and it's a hand of his ways are not my ways and his ways are best. And this is not plan B for my life. It's God's plan A, even though it's not what I recommend for my life or my children. It's, you know, I tend to be in an advisory role with God quite a bit. <laughs> and I say to him, you got to be kidding me. You want this for my life? <laughs> Wait a minute. I I did not approve this. <laughs> not the plan I approved. Yeah, it's not oh. it's not the plan that I thought was best. So um, I'm thankful though that I'm I'm understanding more about God and His character and that He is intimately acquainted with all of my ways and that He is a God that's enough to provide for me and He is a God of hope and that's really the best thing that I can offer anyone and to myself too is speak out His word over my life when I don't understand it, say, but wait a minute, I don't have to. And if I right. understood everything about God, would God would that be the kind of God that I would want to worship? Yeah, I know. I, I, I like that too. So. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think small. so. You know, I want brain. a God of mystery. It's like right. I want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to hang on. Like you opened your show. I loved what you said. You know, put on your seatbelt and hang on because praise the Lord. This is an exciting, abundant life. And that's God's plan for us. It's exciting. Right. It's abundant. It's it's new things about him that we're going to learn, new things about ourselves that we're going to learn, and we're going to grow stronger and deeper as we put our roots down deep in him and his word. 
And we're going to be like that tree firmly planted by streams of water. We're going to be able to have fruit, be fruitful, so that we can give to people that need it. Love that. This afternoon in group coaching, we were I was training on uh, the roller coaster ride with God, and you're buckled in and you're safe, but it doesn't feel like that, and, and you just have to believe it. And um, my sister has, uh, she's a cancer survivor also, and she had, God had given her a picture early in the, early in the days of cancer where he just asked her if she'd be willing to bungee jump with him. And wow, bungee jumping, you know, that's like really terrifying. That's like just a free fall for a long, long way. <laughs> you know, with, with just the hope at the end you're going to have a jerk and a up, you know. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I was thinking, actually, actually when we were talking here, I was thinking back to right after 9-11, I had the privilege of going out to New York City, and the thing that really, really hit me was, uh, you know, and we all saw the images, and on every corner there were candles, Every corner there were candles and, mm. and pictures of loved ones, and I was thinking so much about those candles and why do we why do we light candles? Um, and I was thinking about that every single person who was missing after nine eleven or Paul now that's missing from your life or whatever it is, listener that is missing from your life today that you just had yesterday or whatever, mm-hmm. and we light a candle because we have had this amazing privilege of having that person in our lives. And for however many days, you said you said it so well, however many days, God knew how many days, you know, we'd have that person. Or maybe it's your house that you lost, or maybe your job, or whatever it is that you had to give up. Just light a candle and say, thank you, God, for all the days I did have. And that cannot give you the days you don't get in advance, you know, if you're in the future. But that, that heart of gratitude, I think, is really so important in the healing process that we don't only look at what we've lost, but that we also can look at what we've gained. And that kind of leads us to the third group of I am's. In Christ I am important. Charlotte, address what you mean by I am important in Christ. It means that each of us has a role that no one else can fill, a way of serving God in his kingdom. And what it means is that we have to look at those circumstances that God has brought us through. And maybe some of you, some of the listeners are going through something right now that you you need to look at that situation and say, I am going through this. God is working in this. It's about your focus and your mindset that you are going to get through it. It's not going to distract you from God unless you let it. But it's about understanding that we have a job, and maybe several different types of ministries that God is going to open up for you to serve him with and in um, because of the history that you've had a a part of your experiences, your circumstances, but also the ways that he has asked you to grow up. Because I think that that's what all of these situations that we go through in our lives is about. It's God's asking us, Number one, will you trust me? And number two, will you let me grow you up? Because that's what it is. It's growing closer to him. Right. And I would say, you know, when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. He made you for such a time as this. There is, I I love your first one under important is that um, in Christ, I am God's masterpiece. A, a yes. specific masterpiece. He didn't just, you know, schluck something up on the side of a building and it has no meaning. It's actually a masterpiece. You are a beautiful composition of exactly the strengths and weaknesses of exactly the character qualities and the skill sets and the time and history and, and in your own family, what, you know, what birth order you were in and the family you were raised in and all of these things, the language you speak is your native tongue. All these things are specifically designed by God because, and then it goes on to the second thing, in Christ I am important and God has a meaningful purpose for my life. Cheryl, mm-hmm. when you are going through some of the darkest times, that you've walked through so far. And actually, I say so far because my husband and I were laughing about this this morning. My mother-in-law just turned 80, and, and um, she, said, she said that she had experienced more. She had learned more in the past year than she had altogether in her whole life. <laughs> mm. And I thought, oh, yeah. my goodness, you're kidding. 
Yeah. At some point, don't we hope that, you know, we'll kind of have arrived at some kind of level of wisdom or something that we could maybe relax a little bit. But, you know, so so far, Cheryl, what have you learned about trusting about the purpose in your life during the dark times? I think it's about what we talked about early on. It's about letting go and trusting God and understanding that each one of these principles that you talked about early on, bending the knees and confessing what it is that we're going through, and then relaxing and let going, let, letting go of it, and then landing, believing it, believing God for more. Um, one, of the, one of the people that founded Gospel Light was Henrietta Mears, and she said at the end of her life, when she was asked if you could go back and do your life over again, would there be anything that you would change? And I love what she said because it's very simple, but it's very profound. She said, I would believe God more. And what that means is that when we go through something, I believe that it's, number one, to get closer to God, but also to help me grow more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because what you, your prayer that you pray every night, you're uh, face-to-face with how you did, maybe as a soldier in Christ, were you obeying your marching orders, if you will? Yeah. Um, I think that's what we all need to do every day and every hour is, am I doing what you want me to do? I spoke for a women's retreat last weekend at Mount Hermon Christian Camps in California, And um, one of the things that I was praying during the whole weekend is where God would want me to sit. Even it was more comfortable to sit on on the reserve table with the other speakers and there were some seminar leaders, worship leaders. But when I asked God where I should sit and where I should go and what I should do, who I should talk to, what I should eat, that really helped me a lot because I did a lot less binging than I would have done otherwise. (laughs) 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 But I also met a lot of people that, it was a God thing. I couldn't believe when I sat down what what ended up coming up in the conversation. And why is that so surprising? But basically, we need to live like that all the time. And in our busy lives, in our we some of us work full time. We we go to our office and we don't ask ourselves even you know if you work with the same people day in day out. I think what we need to do every day is say. What should I be talking about? What should I be praying about? What would you have me to do today, even though maybe we have our day pretty much lined out? We need to be able to have interruptions and um, take those phone calls or even for some of us that text a lot or go on Facebook and instant message, even take a time take time to take a phone call, uh, take a text and pray for someone or even online. Take an instant message and just pray a prayer and just write it out at the minute we get it instead of waiting until, oh, I'll pray for you later. No, many times that person needs it right then. I'm going to close by going through this um, this important section here in Christ I Am. And you guys can just pray this along with me just because it's true. And she's got in her book, she's got the scriptures that go with this, and we don't have time to look them all up right now. But just say this along with me. Say, thank you, God, that in Christ I am your masterpiece that in Christ I have a meaningful purpose in life, that in Christ I am fulfilling God's plan, that in Christ I am part of his eternal purpose, that in Christ I am free to approach God with confidence, that in Christ he's working in my life to accomplish his will. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. I just can't even express my gratitude for you choosing to be with us today and for you taking time and all the work that it took to put this book together. Thank you. Thank you. It's my privilege to serve God along with you, Marnie, and thanks for what you do, too. It's very important, and I know that you probably grow weary, but uh, Galatians 6, 9 says don't grow weary in doing good because you are, I know, planting seeds that will return a good fruit, and you are building the kingdom. So thanks for serving along with me. Oh, well, thank you. And you guys, you need to check out this book, Get Back Up, Trusting God When Life Knocks You Down, and check out Cheryl's website over at fromashestobeauty.com. Also, I encourage you, this this archive is going to stay here live for a long time, so uh, just send people over here. If you know somebody who's really struggling, send them over to listen to this again. And I want to close with a quote from Cheryl's book. The more you reinforce who you are in Christ, the more your behavior 
will reflect your beliefs about God. I pray that your behavior, your day, your life is surrounded and filled with his love. We'll see you next time.